Welcome to the Curious Goat Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Carlson. When I was back in college, I used to go and volunteer at this rehab and nursing center. I'd go once a week and play my guitar for the residents as they ate their lunch. And this place, it was filled with elderly people who had different medical issues. Some were there just short term to recover and some were there long term. And I think they got a kick out of my music. You know, someone try and flirt with me and stuff. And I loved it. But there was this one guy, this one guy named Rob, who just didn't seem to like me at all. Whenever I went there, he just had this scowl on his face. So I'm sitting there in a chair playing the guitar and I see Rob across the room glaring at me. It was like the evil eye. And I started to watch Rob a little bit. He seemed to have half of his face drooping down. Beyond that, he was just kind of a angry, violent kind of person. At least it looked like that. And the nurses even were afraid of him. So one of his arms was paralyzed, right? It was his right arm was paralyzed. But his left arm and his left hand in particular, I remember seeing a nurse one time going to get his tray from his lunch when he was finished, and he just grabbed onto his fork with that left hand, that iron grip. And so the the nurse took the tray away and then she went back to get the fork. He was just not giving it up. There was nothing she could do. She tried reasoning with him and he would just yell. Then she tried to grab it out of his hand and he lashed on so tightly. So finally, she just had to wait until Rob lost interest and let go of the fork. 10 minutes later, (laughs) this was Rob and Rob, he couldn't speak. So sometimes when I'd be playing guitar, you could hear Rob's groans louder than my guitar. Probably one of the scarier times with Rob was when he took that iron grip of his and he grabbed a nurse's wrist and she's just squirming, trying to get out of his iron grip. Rob, let go, let go, let go. And he just, he wouldn't listen and he'd just keep yelling. Like, And finally she squirmed free. So my solution for Rob and my guitar playing was just to put as much distance in between me and him as possible. So he'd be in one corner of the room, I would choose the exact opposite corner to play guitar. But there was this one day when all the residents were eating there in the room and they were all sitting in a circle this time. I decided to join their circle. Now Rob was on the other side of the circle, straight across from me, the maximum distance possible. Rob was in a little bit better of a mood He only yelled for maybe five minutes that day. But we're finishing lunch and Rob gets this look and he's staring right at me. That evil eye look. And I look at Rob and he's in his wheelchair and he just starts inching his way forward using his feet and his his left arm to kind of push himself forward. Looking straight at me. There were no nurses in the room and I didn't know what to do. So for some reason, I just decided to keep playing. But Rob keeps coming closer and closer and soon he's happy halfway across the circle. I start looking towards the doors. Okay, is the nurse gonna come back? I don't know what to do, but I just keep playing. So Rob keeps coming closer and soon he's three quarters of the way across the circle. It's just a few feet away from me, but Rob doesn't stop. And soon he's like a foot away and I'm like looking at the residents like, come on, somebody help me out here. But for some reason, I just decide to keep playing the guitar, acting like everything's normal. So Rob, he gets so close that his knees bump into mine. And then that iron grip 
left hand of his starts to reach out. And I, I, I just keep playing. I don't know what I was thinking. Maybe if I just ignore this, it'll just go away. But he reaches out and he's reaching right towards me. I start to lean back and squirm out of try and like turn, like dodge out of the way. Still playing the music, of course. And his arm starts reaching towards the neck of my guitar. What's he going to do with my guitar? I saw what he did with a fork. Uh, and he grabs the neck of my guitar. So that's when I stop playing, of course. When I'm like, hey, Rob, can I have my guitar back? Of course he doesn't let go. But then I look over at that left hand of his. He was like moving his fingers in kind of weird ways. I thought it was some, maybe some kind of spasm, maybe something health related, but I look closer and he's making a guitar chord with his fingers. And I'm like, Rob, like, do you know how to play guitar? You know, his, his groans, he was groaning this whole time and his groan like kind of changed tones. It wasn't like, uh, it was like, uh, I don't, maybe that sounds the exact same, but you could tell that it was kind of like an affirmation, like, like, yes. So I'm like, we're doing this. I get up from my chair. I, I get the guitar. He's, he saw what I was doing. So he let go of the guitar. I turn it around and I put the guitar on his lap course he can't use his right hand so i just say hey rob i'm gonna do the right hand you do the left hand and he starts making those chords and then i start strumming and he's able to play this this whole song i'm just strumming along and he does a whole chord progression and we do that for maybe like five or six minutes and this was the first time i had seen a look of relief on rob's face Really, he he did seem like a monster before. He, it was hard to see him as human. Suddenly, I saw, like, whoa, there is so much more to this guy than I thought. And it was so cool to just see that unlock with music. His, his face relaxed. He started nodding his head to the beat of the music. So from then on, my whole relationship with Rob changed. At first, he was my least favorite to go and visit. But now, he was one of my favorites. And every single time I went to visit, I made sure to take about five minutes and have Rob play the guitar as I strummed along. I tell this story because our world is filled with experiences like that, where I sum it up as there's more to things than meets the eye. Everything we see, we have an idea about what it is, what it means, and even with people, we, we think we understand them, but there is so much more under the surface. This is so relevant to staying curious because one of the biggest enemies of curiosity is thinking that we know everything, that we have everything figured out. We have an impression of somebody, a first impression, we're with them for maybe 10 minutes, and we've already decided whether we like them or not, whether they're worth our time or not, whether they're cool or not, whether they're successful or not. All these things, when we just have this tiny moment, this this tiny exposure to them. Now, a lot of those things, maybe there's some truth to them. Maybe they are based on something, but there is no way that's the whole picture. In order to stay curious about the world, we have to keep that in mind, that there's more. And curious about anything, if you want to be curious about some subject in school, and you think you already have it figured out, you already, not that you understand it all necessarily, but you already figured out that, oh, that's not for me. I don't like that. Oh, that's just a boring subject. Or, oh, if, if I go down that road, then I already know where it's going to end up. Well, the problem with that is that that keeps you from even taking a first step. We are notorious for being bad at predicting how we're going to feel about things. Much better than just imagining what something might be like. Take some more steps and get some experience with it because there's 
always something more than meets the eye. I remember an exercise I would do with groups I, I train and consult with, and it's simple. You just open up Google Maps, you start zoomed out, basically the earth at this point, and you say, how interesting is that? How curious are you about what we're looking at? From a, a scale of one to 10, and you have a variety of responses, but they're usually between like three and five. They're not really curious. They're just like, oh, that's the earth. Then we start to zoom in a little bit, and I just say, where do you want to zoom in? Choose anywhere. So first we zoomed in on just the country of Haiti. And as we looked at that country, we started to see more details, more of the, the shape, more details in its shape, where it's at, what's around it. And I said, how interested are you now? And the responses typically went up, maybe just like one or two points. So maybe like four to six, maybe one person who had an interest in Haiti, theirs went up to seven. And then I say, okay, where are we going to zoom in now? So we choose a spot in Haiti and we zoomed in on this city and suddenly more and more details started to show up different restaurants, different uh, different locations. You could see more details of, of lakes and, and rivers and, and, and different neighborhoods. Now that we could see all this detail, it was suddenly went up to like eights and nines. Like people really wanted, they, they, they were kind of arguing about what to look at next. Like, oh, I want to see this place. What's this neighborhood? Oh, there's this restaurant here. I want to see what kind of food they're serving. Or why is, the, why is the name of this city this thing? Why did they choose to name it that? All all of these questions started coming out, all because we started to look a little deeper. That's the power of just looking in a little further. There's always more than meets the eye. And when you start to discover those details, those hidden things that are unexpected, your curiosity naturally starts to grow. This is the pillar of the explore mindset called I wonder, where you're able to see things that are novel, unexpected, different, that challenge what you already know, and you're attracted to those things. Thanks. You know, the ocean is an amazing place. The waves that come in, they're always different on the beaches. So many different kinds of animals, different animal life and plant life. And it's just can be a fun place. So a lot of people are drawn to the ocean. But the ocean is also a very scary place. It can be dangerous. It's very powerful. And there might be animals that are dangerous in the water that can come and get you. So this was the case of Don. He was a foster child of my grandma. Now, Don came and lived with them for a year or two. They were living in Southern California, and Don came in from Arizona or New Mexico, somewhere further inland. So he didn't have exposure to the ocean, and he didn't even know how to swim. He never learned. When he was really young, it got instilled in him that water is dangerous, especially the ocean, that there are monsters in there, and that you shouldn't go in there. So the first time he saw the ocean, he was terrified. Like, he didn't even want to touch the water. Now, in my grandma's family, they would always go to the ocean. They'd always be on the beach. Her sons were surfing. Everybody loved the ocean. So this was going to be a big problem if Don was going to be terrified every time. So what my grandma did was just enroll him in some swimming lessons. Once he learned how to swim, his fears of the ocean disappeared. He would go there all the time. He loved it. Something that was so terrifying suddenly was available for him to explore and enjoy. 
This all connects to the second pillar of the explorer mindset. This is the I can of the explorer mindset. It's not enough just to be fascinated by something. We have to have the confidence that we're able to handle exploring it. This includes things like feeling safe and having the skills and support we need to keep exploring further. The more skills and support you can get, the more potential you have in your explorer mindset to not only have more curiosity, but to follow it, to take steps forward. There are times when something can seem interesting and within our ability, but they seem like a distraction or a waste of time. What do we do in those kind of situations when something does seem interesting, but it just doesn't seem worth it? Like it doesn't have value. So my dad is a skier. That's probably the, one of the top things anybody would say about my dad if you asked about who he is. He goes skiing, I don't know how many times now, now that he's retired, at least 50 times a year, maybe more. Several years ago, he started to feel this pain in his knees. Every single year, he had to maybe take it a little easier. He was always buying some kind of contraption that might help his knees. He was taking different supplements, doing these different medical procedures, trying to relieve the pain in his knees, but nothing really seemed to work. It just got worse and worse, and he was afraid that he was going to have to give up skiing. So he met with his doctor, and he finally made the decision that he had to get his knees replaced. Getting your knees replaced is a huge ordeal. They're basically cutting off the bones up above your knee, you know, on your like your thigh, lower thigh area, and then down on your upper shin. They're basically just like cutting those out and then putting in these new contraptions that will work as your knees. It's crazy that they can do this. Like this is Frankenstein level stuff. And one of my dad's biggest fears was that after getting his knees replaced, he wouldn't be able to ski. So he made sure he got his knees replaced with the most athletic knees possible, the ones that are going to be the strongest. And after he did the procedure, he's had these big incisions, these long incisions on his knees. But that was just the beginning because so much of your recovery depends on how well you can engage and stick with the physical therapy afterwards. For a lot of people, they kind of do the physical therapy, but they just kind of do it halfway. They might be more committed at first, but then it just becomes too painful. And it, it is painful because it's like they have to keep moving your legs, bending that knee more and more that's just had surgery. And you just keep doing it because if you don't keep bending the knee and breaking up that scar tissue that starts to form, the scar tissue starts to take over. And if you're not careful, you're going to end up with a knee that can barely bend at all. But, you know, so many people, they get to a point where they just say, like, it's not worth the pain. And so they lose that interest, the engagement, because they don't have a really strong why that's stronger than the pain they have to go through over and over. Now, my dad was different. His why was that he wanted to ski again. He was like the most diligent person with that physical therapy, doing everything the physical therapist said and doing research on his own and asking his physical therapist, what other things can I do to make sure this will heal better? And it didn't matter how painful because he had this strong why. He knew it was going to be worth it. So he continued exploring this path, this painful path of physical therapy. And here's what happened. He was skiing that very next ski season. Of course, he was taking it easy, but he was skiing. 
That is crazy. And it's all because he was able to see this grander purpose in sticking with his physical therapy. So there you have it. Those are the three pillars of an explore mindset. And when you have those, you're able to see that there's more than meets the eye. When you see something scary or intimidating, instead of running away or trying to just avoid it, you instead focus on getting the skills, the tools, the knowledge, the support, and the confidence to be able to jump into it and master it. And you're also able to see deeper, some deeper meaning in what you're doing, that you can see there's value in exploring this. This is worth my time. This is worth my effort. And this is even worth going through a little pain and sacrifice. Focus on these three pillars, the I wonder, the I can, and the my why, and you're going to see more curiosity, interest, and passion in whatever you're doing. Oh, and a little follow-up with Rob. I was actually telling this story in my church, and afterwards, a woman from the congregation came up to me, and she said, Matt, I think I know Rob. Yeah, he was a friend of my dad's. And she's like, well, unfortunately, he's passed away, but Rob was a composer. His whole profession had to do with music. And so you could see how important that was to him, how deep of an experience that must have been to be able to enjoy and make a little bit of music even at the end of his life when he'd lost most of his abilities to move and use his body and control his emotions. Man, that was like the coolest connection to make. Even when you think you've dived down and seen seen more of that, that hidden iceberg, there's even more. So cool. It is so worth it to explore. It can be hard, it can be painful, like getting your knees replaced and sticking with the physical therapy, but it's so worth it. I hope you've enjoyed this episode of the Curious Goat Podcast. For more curiosity projects, more information, check out Instagram at ExploreGoat or our website, ExploreGoat.com. Goat.com.